Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you, it's not me, it's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture, and we will. Let's begin with now. You asked, and I dragged my feet. You asked again, and then I covered my head with blankets. You asked again, and then I buried myself from research and couldn't come out. All right, y'all. It's finally time for me to do a podcast episode on GLP-1s like Ozempic and Wigovi. Welcome to episode 342 of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Can you hear my excitement in my voice? I have to be blunt because I feel nervous having a podcast episode on GLP-1s. And um, I'll share a little bit of why as we get into the meat of the episode. But here we are. And I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. And so be it. So let's get pumped to talk about GLP-1s. And honestly... I hope that this information in this episode helps you just to have a better understanding on how they, from what I know to be true right now in October of 2023, how they affect our body, the risks that we currently know about, and some of the unknowns. I also have had the experience with talking with people who have been on it and felt like it did something positive. Some people who it, they just hated every second. And then um, lots of people in between. So I'll be sharing some of that information as well. And like any podcast episode, you know, this is not the same as getting advice from your doctor. So I, again, I hope it's education, information. I am a registered dietitian, but I'm not your individual dietitian. I'm just one talking on a podcast. 
So I hope it does provide you with information and like arm you with things to take to the doctor to help you have a conversation um, and advocate for yourself as you're navigating this conversation. And as I'm recording this, um, it's the first episode that I've recorded in probably almost a month. And so I, like you, am watching the news right now and acknowledge this heaviness and violence. And so I am sending support to you wherever you are on the planet, especially if what uh, this violence directly impacts you, your family, your community. Um, I'm sending lots of support your way. I um, also have found myself like not wanting to record um, and write um, my newsletters um, because of this. So I hope you um, are just understanding of that. You know, I think all of us are dealing with a lot more feelings and dealing with it however you can, you know, coping is coping. So I hope you are getting the support that you need and know that I'm doing my best on my end. Um, one thing that I have continued to do is continue to work on the Find Your Food Voice book. So I wanted to give you a little update. I am currently at 18,161 words, not including the ones from this week. I have almost finished chapter three. Woo! Um, seven more to go. But I feel like I'm coming along. Um, and uh, like I mentioned in the last episode, a lot of chapter two, I felt like I was like really needing to write in a way that was different in that I wasn't going live. I was not um, going in my book community and doing co-writing sessions there was something about writing about systems of oppression that just really threw my brain for a loop. So um, now I'm back to writing in the book community. So if you want to write this book with me, like literally write it with me, I invite you to join us. You can get to all the information at julieduffydillon.com slash book. A lot of the times I also just turn on my live button on TikTok. So you can also catch me there. Follow me at Food Voice RD. All right. So we are going to take a very quick sponsor break and then we are going to get into the meat of this episode on GLP1. So I'll be right back. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. 
it's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. Are you ready to talk about GLP ones? I know I am. Although I have been sort of avoiding this uh, podcast episode, I am glad to finally record it. Um, but also, as as you hear that pause, part of the pause is multifaceted. One is just remember that this podcast episode does not replace advice from your in person healthcare provider. I am a registered dietitian, but I'm a dietitian that's talking on a podcast. So like, I'm not your like in-person dietitian and as dietitians, we can't prescribe medication anyway, but I really just want this to be information, education to help you to be able to have a conversation with your in-person healthcare provider. The other caveat, the thing that makes me pause is this is an area of the weight science conversation that I have less familiarity with just because we all have less familiarity with it. Although this is a medication that has been around for almost 20 years. When I was a diabetes educator, this was like the medication that we would cry reading the research because it seemed like it was the thing that was going to really um, cure, especially type 2 diabetes certain types of type 2 diabetes, we thought this was going to be the end-all be-all. And so it was super exciting. I didn't stay in diabetes long enough for it to be one that was prescribed, but I do remember that excitement. Um, And at the same time, um, I have a lot less experience with it because, yeah, we're all new to this. So what I'm saying today, October 2023, you may be listening to this in November or December, and totally disagree. And I may even disagree with myself a month from now or two months from now, but I need to let perfectionism just sit on the other side of the room for right now. Let me be and tell you what I do know, because I want to help you to just have this information so you can advocate for yourself and decide what is the best next step for you. That's what finding your food voice is all about is figuring out for you what you want to do to help your complicated history with food. So what you're going to hear from me is some background on some basic physiology that has to do with how GLP-1s work. Namely, we're going to talk about diabetes. And um, most of the research on GLP-1s has been done on diabetes. So, and to understand it, you also have to have some basic understanding on also on diabetes. So then we're going to go into how it actually works, how GLP-1s work, some side effects, And then I'm going to give you just some feedback that others have given me on this topic. And I'll have some resources in the show notes from from very generous folks who have recorded their experiences on GLP-1. So you can just hear it before you go through it yourself. 
and other resources that I think you'll find helpful along the way. Namely, um, right after I scheduled recording this podcast episode today, I saw that Maintenance Phase was doing a two-part series on Ozempic and GLP-1s. I listened to the first part and it's fabulous. So if you're wanting even more research deep dive in the history of the medication, um, I highly encourage you to check that out. And as I'm talking, I'll add some other ones in the show notes below. All right. So diabetes, because we all need to be on the same page. Even before diabetes, we all know that we eat food and it becomes energy by moving through our digestive tract and the pancreas releases insulin to help move glucose into the cells. Once someone gets diagnosed with diabetes, there are 11 core defects or deficiencies that occur. And there are three that are the most important, especially as we're talking about GLP-1s because of how they interact with the body, whether you have diabetes or not. But the three most important um, deficiencies or defects with diabetes is one, a beta, beta cell exhaustion. So what the hell does that mean? Well, beta cells, that those are the cells on one part of the pancreas that create insulin. And if a person is having to make a lot of insulin, you experience this if you have PCOS um, or other types of insulin resistance, the body just has to make more and more and more insulin in order just to keep up. And eventually that pancreas organ just gets, it peters out. It just can't keep up anymore. It's exhausted. And so it slows down production. The other um, defect or deficiency that is most important when it comes to the occurrence of diabetes is insulin resistance. And, you know, insulin is a hormone that moves the food that we eat uh, when it becomes glucose into the cells. And sometimes people talk about insulin as a knife that um, over time becomes dull. It's not that the knife doesn't work anymore. It just isn't as efficient as it used to be. And insulin resistance is just that. The body's insulin still works, but it just doesn't work as well as it used to. And it requires more and hence the beta cell exhaustion that I was just talking about. Okay, lastly, the other type of physiology that's important when it comes to GLP-1s and having diabetes is this excess glucagon release from the liver. What does that mean? Well, our liver, that really big organ um, that we all have, it is a pretty f fabulous organ. It makes its own glucose and it makes it like a kind of like a rudimentary kind of glucose that helps our body in times when we don't have access to um, eating or for other reasons, having more glucose in our bloodstream. Think about when you're sleeping, you know, there's a reason why we don't go brain dead when we're sleeping. It's because the liver makes gl glucagon and eventually with diabetes, the body just relies on making excess glucagon from the liver. And um, it's also why many people with PCOS, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes have fatty liver disease. This is a part of that experience as well. Okay. So one other thing I want you to note about diabetes before we move into what actually GLP-1s are, is that diabetes, why we talk about it so much is that it is associated with more cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes. And that is most efficiently managed by lowering your A1C and not smoking. 
not by losing weight, not by a lower BMI, not by lowering carbon take, lowering your A1C, and not smoking. Those are the two things that seem to help cardiovascular events the most. And when we talk about GLP-1 research, that is something that comes into play a lot. One last mention on diabetes is actually on pre-diabetes. When I was a diabetes educator, that's when the whole pre-diabetes diagnosis kind of was invented. We originally had these two different kind of physiological experiences that people had that could lead to diabetes. One was insulin resistance, also called impaired glucose tolerance, (laughs) which basically it was talking to like how insulin was just not able to be as efficient and effective because it wasn't as sharp. So the body wasn't as tolerant of its blood sugar. And then the other occurrence was impaired fasting glucose. I'm telling you this now because one of those two is better impacted by GLP-1s than the other. And, um, but yeah, both of those things got lumped together to be called prediabetes. I also think it's important whenever I talk about prediabetes, just to mention that not everyone who gets prediabetes will eventually have diabetes. It's like less than 10% in five years will. Less than 2% will progress to type 2 diabetes in a year. So, um, you know, just keep in mind, prediabetes, someone could have that and then never move into to diabetes. And and honestly, the research so far is saying that most people, 90% of people that get diagnosed with prediabetes won't move into diabetes. So, or at least at that five-year mark. Um, so yeah, so that's really important just to keep in mind. Okay. What the heck is a GLP-1? What do these actually mean? So, If you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you will know that one of my primary coping strategies in a stressful time is watching Bravo. Judge me if this is the first time. I don't care because it helped me cope. (laughs) But I heard so many Bravo celebrities talking about taking the, quote, peptide to help lose weight. And, you know, my eyeballs just like rolled out of my brain whenever I would hear that happen, the people saying that because it's a way to, I don't know, I think minimize the impact of GLP ones and make it seem kind of like a frivolous thing, almost like a vitamin, just like taking a vitamin. But um, the reason why the word peptide is thrown there, because that's what the P in GLP one stands for. It stands for glucagon like peptide. Um, there also actually are some initials after that. Um, there's a one because there's more than one. Um, and it identifies a very specific hormone that your pancreas makes that helps to increase blood sugar. And it is a type of incretin. And if you didn't get to take nutritional biochemistry, you know, that was a class that I lovingly say, I enjoyed it so much that I took it twice, i.e. meaning I did not get to see her better. So I had to take it a second time. But I do remember learning about incretins, especially the second time I took it. I had this fabulous um, professor who walked in wearing Birkenstocks saying like, hey, this is a really hard class. We're going to take our time. So I want to make sure you understand it. And I do remember I'm teaching about incretins. These are a type of hormone that line your GI tract and they are slowly released 
when food goes through your your digestive tract as you're eating, it just slowly releases it. And as they're being released slowly into the bloodstream, it tells your pancreas to release insulin. And remember, insulin then takes that food that has been broken up into smaller pieces into your cell for energy. So with GLP-1s, it's different because naturally these incretins slowly drip in. Think of it as um, like a hose that maybe you didn't turn off all the way and it's kind of slowly trickling. Well, when you inject GLP-1s, it's like a fire hose. It's a much different faster rate. And GLP-1s, they help the liver release less of that glucose that it makes and it slows down the digestive tract. So insulin can work better. It like makes the peristalsis in your GI tract slow down. And again, so insulin can work better. It also decreases pancreas fatigue. So you may have heard your doctor say, well, taking a GLP-1 can just help take the pressure off your pancreas. And that's why I wanted to talk about diabetes earlier. And one of those core defects or deficiencies is beta cell fatigue. And, um, you know, taking GLP-1 potentially can decrease that fatigue. And it also helps to lower blood sugar. It helps your liver to make less of that glucose. So your blood sugar does get lower. And at the same time, it slows down your digestion. What we have seen in the diabetes research, again, diabetes research is where GLP-1s have been studied the most, um, especially long-term. And we'll talk about side effects with um, GLP-1s, but there are some pretty hardcore side effects. And I like that, not I like, I don't like. <laughs> um, what am I trying to say? I Most of the time that I read about the GLP-1 side effects, it appears that they're minimized as rare and not the big a deal. And that's not actually the case. Um, a lot of these side effects uh, occur in 1% of folks who take the medication. And now that like millions of people are taking this, that's a lot of people that are going to have these side effects. And working with folks with a complicated history with food for so long, one thing that I have seen a lot of is one of these side effects and it is very painful. Okay, but I'll get to that in a second. Anyway, <laughs> um, with that all being said, Diabetes, that's what I was talking about. GLP-1 research in diabetes, what it's shown that made us so excited 20 years ago, made us cry when we would learn about it, is that it was shown to significantly lower the risk of major cardiovascular events. Again, that's one of the big harms with having diabetes is that you're at higher risk for these cardiovascular events, like heart attacks and strokes. And these GLP-1s are like, and the research showing that, oh my gosh, like it's really significantly impacting the amount of people getting these cardiovascular events. It's also shown to lower A1C for people with diabetes, one to 2%, and then people with prediabetes, 0.1 to 0.4%. So um, it, that one to 2% in diabetes is really, really impactful. And again, for Pre-diabetes, you know, a tenth of a percent is 
Um, you know, that could be an, just from like variants of when you took your A1C. So um, it could also, it's, 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 to me, it's like if I saw an A1C that was one tenth difference, I would just think of it as a stable A1C. So not as much of an impact in prediabetes. And again, even if you don't have diabetes, you may be like, why do I need to know all this information? Well, this is, even if you don't have diagnosed diabetes, it's still going to work in your body in the same way. And, um, you know, so you need to know why that we talk about all these things. And if you don't have any issues with your insulin levels, because remember GLP-1s, they're, what they do is that they release that hormone that tell your body that, um, it's time to release insulin and it's time to like get this whole um, metabolic process going. And if you are someone that has um, beta cell fatigue, if you have insulin resistance, and for many people, they do have insulin resistance. Like if you are like me in your 40s, like just being in your 40s, it's really common to have insulin resistance. We've been alive for almost half a century. And so our insulin can become less sharp. Um, and so GLP-1s in, you know, in theory can help with that sharpness. And even if you've never been diagnosed with insulin resistance, because that is something that's kind of tricky unless you have something like PCOS, um, or family history of diabetes, you may never have been diagnosed with it. Um, and so, yeah, it could potentially help with that. So if you have prediabetes only though, just know that there is very little research on prediabetes and GLP-1s. So far, it seems to have very little impact on your A1C, um, but it has a greater impact if you do have a much higher blood sugar. Okay. So we talked about the positives, you know, it, it helps basically insulin resistance to have a sharper type of insulin. It helps your pancreas to not be as exhausted, helps your blood sugar come down because your liver like makes less blood sugar. Um, I haven't seen this or read this in the research. So that doesn't mean it's not there, but I just don't recall it at this time. But remember I, I mentioned something about fatty liver disease, you know, for a lot of people with type two diabetes, especially if they did have insulin resistance that led to that type 2 diabetes. Fatty liver disease is a really common occurrence. And I would imagine GLP-1s in theory can also help lessen that, which again, your liver is pretty important. It's a pretty large organ um, and making sure you take care of it, I guess is like important, but also um, there are some side effects with GLP-1s that again, I find are grossly minimized in articles that I've read in conversations with colleagues. And it just, to me, highlights how, how married we are to weight loss promoting health. Um, because at a recent conference I went to, the discussion on GLP-1s and side effects where people were kind of like, well, we don't complain about the side effects with cancer treatments like um, chemotherapy. We still give it to people because again, people were thinking that like uh, treating cancer is like treating someone's larger, larger body size. And that's where I have a really big problem because um, 
a body size is not pathology. Weight loss is not a behavior. And treating diabetes is one thing. And, you know, I hope something you can get from my conversation is that GLP-1s may be a tool if you have very hard to treat diabetes. You know, if you have insulin resistance that has greatly impacted your life, GLP-1s could be a tool. Um, I'm still cautious, but, you know, it could be a part of the conversation. But if you have that type of diabetes, you already are experiencing a lot of harm from the diabetes. And for a lot of diabetes educators, for years, what they called GLP-1s were a last resort medication because of these side effects. So what are they? Um, You may have heard of some of them, but I have a a whole bullet list here that I'm going to go through. And um, if you can recall, GLP-1s are an incretin hormone that is released in your digestive tract. So it makes sense that if your body naturally makes it as a dripping mechanism and instead you're injecting it to make those incretins to be like a fire hose, that your digestive tract would be massively impacted. A lot of people, and 10%, you know, that's a really large amount of people experiencing a side effect, 10% report nausea, especially the first eight weeks of taking these medications. These um, side effects are the most reported. Nausea and vomiting are um, occurring. And then uh, many of these next ones that I'm going to say, it's about 1% of people reported um, getting these side effects with GLP-1s. One in particular is gastroparesis, also in the media referred to as stomach paralysis, which I kind of like that term because gastroparesis, as I read it from uh, medical providers, they tend to minimize it. Ah, your stomach just doesn't empty as fast. It's often pushed as this like positive. You'll stay fuller longer. And gastroparesis though, what has happened? Um, And I will tell you, I have a lot of experience working with folks with gastroparesis, not only because of my time in diabetes, gastroparesis is a long-term complication from harder to treat diabetes or people who've had really high blood sugars. Over time, the neurons in the digestive tract become like fried off. Like they just are not working anymore and cause the GI tract to no longer have a movement to it. So the GI tract is just relying on gravity to push food through. I also have seen folks with gastroparesis because of malnutrition. So many people who have dieted their whole life, maybe even you, you may have experienced gastroparesis. You may be experiencing it right now and not even know it. And so I would imagine many people who go on this medication who have dieted most of their life, maybe even had an untreated or undiagnosed eating disorder, have had gastroparesis all along, and this just makes it on steroids. But you may be wondering, like, why does malnutrition cause gastroparesis? Well, when we don't eat enough food to help our body to meet its energy needs, you know, a lot of times energy needs, people think of just like, when you're moving your body, but in order for your organs to actually like work, you know, for your brain, your liver, your diaphragm, your ovaries, your skin, like all these different parts of our body, like they actually require calories. 
If your body doesn't get enough calories, the body then just starts to turn off certain circuits to conserve energy. So then the brain and the heart continue. One of the organs that does end up um, going offline is the digestive tract. The there's just so little calories that the the body can't even wiggle its digestive tract because it stops moving. The neurons also get fried off, like I was talking about with diabetes, and the body relies on gravity to push food through. So when you say a slowed digestion, I, I, I do think it sounds like not that big a deal. But the amount of tears and pain that people would describe for their gastroparesis, it was very painful. Um, food feeling trapped in your, not only your stomach, but throughout your GI tract. Um, if you've ever been constipated, you have had the gas and the cramping from that. And so just imagine that all the time backed up even more. And so there's very little interventions for gastroparesis. There are some off-label medications that people can use, but really only the only thing that I saw helping with malnutrition was eating enough. So basically a person had to go through all this pain to eventually push food through, sometimes medications to help food move better, um, but then enough calories that eventually the neurons healed and they were able to move the GI tract again. For folks with diabetes, um, helping to bring blood sugar down into the normal range helped it a little bit. But for a lot of people with diabetes, gastroparesis was just a long-term experience. Like there's one of those um, things like neuropathy, another side effect from or complication rather from diabetes that you can't really fix. Um, there's some medications and controlling blood sugar can help it a little bit, um, but not all the way. So when you hear about gastroparesis or stomach paralysis and you hear it minimize, I hope you do pause. It is painful. It's hard to treat. It takes forever to treat. And this is something that now that more people are using GLP-1s for weight loss without diabetes. We're starting to hear um, narratives about people's experience still experiencing gastroparesis even a year or more off of the medication. For many of you, I know you already have IBS, um, irritable bowel syndrome, and so I would encourage you to pause <laughs> and really consider, do I want to deal with gastroparesis? Um, something I haven't spoken about though is, you know, these GLP ones are all injections, but there is a pill form that actually came around a long time ago. I mean, that was one I think I saw before the injectable version 20 years ago, but people hated it so much. They took it off the market because it caused so many stomach issues, but now people are excited about it because they don't have to inject it. So I would expect more people to try that as well. Okay, gastroparesis, nausea and vomiting. Another thing that is um, now going to be a black box warning on Ozempic and Wegovy that I know of for sure is um, something called an ileus or a blocked intestine. Again, it's hard to imagine what that actually is, but a blocked intestine can lead to a lot of pain. It can lead to needing hospitalization and you can die from it. Um, it is very dangerous and 
now this is something that's a black box warning on these GLP-1s, at least Ozempic and Wago V. All right. So other side effects, diarrhea and constipation. Again, if it is affecting the, is it impacting the digestive tract, expect any of those things that come out of there to be um, a part of it. Also GERD or reflux, um, because things are slowing down. A lot of people that I worked with over the years with gastroparesis will also complain of reflux or that burning after eating because things are just jammed up, you know? Um, other ones are low blood sugar and headaches. Um, there is a black box warning about thyroid cancer because of um, mice research and um, another type of cancer too. It's interesting that those were on the black box warning. Uh, you know, they, they're types of cancers that people, I think, often associate with being really rare. So they don't feel like they're as risky. That's just my own commentary. But, you know, uh, like it's interesting that those are put on there. And again, most people report that the side effects start to lessen at eight weeks, but not everyone. Many people stop taking it by that point. I've heard from a lot of folks that they were able to take it only for a month. Um, so there are some ways you can prevent side effects. And as I go through some of these, just know that this may be a time if you do go on a GLP-1 that you want to hire a dietitian to help you even before you start taking it. And I have worked with so many people with insulin resistance who also do have IBS. And um, I'm getting a phone call right now. I will not take it. Don't worry. <laughs> but anyway, I've worked with lots of people who have insulin resistance and um, IBS. And if you have any of those things going on, I would encourage you to try to really mitigate those symptoms um, help your GI tract before starting it. And then as you are, if you do end up deciding you want to try a GLP-1, start with small frequent meals, really focus on your hydration, be sure you're eating enough. And um, I know it's like this weight loss push and uh, I, um, I honor your body autonomy. I wish you didn't... Um, need to focus on your weight. I wish that, um, I don't know, you weren't pushed to um, have that kind of exploration of like trying to decrease your weight. I don't think weight, um, focusing on weight improves health. I think it, if anything, it makes it worse. Um, and, you know, I honor people of all sizes and I live in a smaller body. I don't get the same kind of discrimination that you may experience. So if you do go on a TLP1, I appreciate that most of the talk is going to be focused on, wow, you're not eating that much, but be sure you're eating enough because that gastroparesis can happen from not eating enough, even without taking this medication. So I just really, yeah, be sure you're eating enough. And you may need a dietitian to help you with that. Um, another thing that I have learned from colleagues that I think is really important to listen up with, I know I have, is there is this kind of pattern for people to start on a low dose and then quickly increase the dosage to maximize weight loss. Oh, I hate that so much <laughs> um, because of many reasons. Your the risk to your body goes up and 
you know, this weight loss part of GLP-1s doesn't last forever. It doesn't make a person lose weight forever, but you could have these side effects forever. And at the same time, there is some really great favorable research about using GLP-1s, especially if you have the insulin resistant type of type 2 diabetes or, you know, pre-diabetes. This could be a really cool tool. And what I have learned from my colleagues is starting at the lowest dose and only increase to a higher dose when the side effects are completely gone and only if you need it to manage your blood sugar. Otherwise, it seems like the lowest dose and staying on there the whole time has the potential to help improve your pancreas, your your insulin resistance, your liver's glucose production to help those longer term. And that that push to increase doses higher and higher, more and more, I'm just, uh, I think it's rooted in, in weight bias. There are some contraindications that I think are important to name that I don't think everybody names. One is folks with a history of gastroparesis. And if you've, when I like gave you that definition of gastroparesis, if it sounded familiar, um, then I would encourage you to look into it because if you have restricted or dieted or had an eating disorder and you have gone a period of time with not eating enough, which I appreciate most people think they're eating enough and they're not, you could have experienced gastroparesis. And again, it's very painful and should not be minimized. And if you have a history of it, I think it's important just to, to name that you're at very right, high risk to have um, long-term gastroparesis then. Of course, if you have a personal or family history with that medullary thyroid cancer or in people with multiple endocrine neopla- neoplasia syndrome type 2, again, the, the types of black box warning that they were willing to put on there. If you have a history of weight loss surgery, um, there have been reports that this is contraindicated if you have a history of pancreatitis. Um, it's also been told that it's, it's a, a contraindication. And if you do have like a stomach bug, um, just in case no one tells you, don't take the GLP-1 then. If you have an active eating disorder, and I would even say if you have an eating disorder history, I would really like take your time to make this decision because of conversations I've had, namely with Laura Burns. And you may have heard that name before on the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Laura is someone I've done a lot of work with. Um, We've collaborated on a lot of projects, especially in PCOS. She was very generous to share her own personal lived experience taking a GLP-1. And I'll put a link in, in the show notes here. She has a YouTube where she has, I think it's like a whole hour where she describes her experiences and she describes her experience in very solid eating disorder recovery for many years, but she did have a very um, pervasive and harmful eating disorder for a long time. But then again, very strong recovery. And this GLP-1 really fucked with that recovery. So, you know... You may never have been diagnosed with an eating disorder, but listening to this podcast, if you have a complicated history with food, there's a strong likelihood that you do have an eating disorder history um, just because most people that I talk to, they did, just no one ever named it. So yeah, just really consider like, is this worth the risk? Is it really worth it? And be aware, um, folks that I've talked to who are fat activists, 
um, eating disorder clinicians, people who are otherwise um, working in the fat positive space who have gone on GLP-1s to help treat their diabetes or their insulin resistance, they noticed that even just having that noted on their chart invited so much more weight loss focused conversations, even after spending years and years um, setting boundaries that you did not want to focus on weight loss. There's something about having the GLP-1 in your actual chart that I think most doctors are like, oh, now they're talking about weight loss. Now I can talk about it. So you may have to do more advocacy and that is something that you cannot like conceptualize or put a number on. That is a lot of bandwidth, a lot of work, a lot of emotional labor. So just be aware that you will need to keep that in mind as you're deciding. All right. So I hope this has helped. 35 minutes on GLP-1s. Holy moly. We all need a break, but I do hope this helps you to decide your next steps, you know, and I invite any conversations or feedback that you have for me on this episode. If you want to share your experience, shoot us an episode. Um, I invite you to share that. Like it does help me to understand the, what it's like to go on a GLP one, the good, the, the negative, the in between, the, complex, the ambiguous. I know it's all gray, right? Um, I invite you to continue the conversation and shoot us an email and you can get to that in the show notes. All right. So this is all for now. Next week, you are going to get a fabulous Find Your Food Voice episode with the Dream Team with Colleen and Rachel. And we're going to be talking about the popular TikTok um, trend girl dinner. <laughs> and um, I have some observations in my like life transitions that I wanted to share. And Rachel and I were talking about it. You know, Rachel is someone who is a uh, fat positive chef. chef and um, Colleen is someone who had never heard of it because Colleen's not on TikTok. So we invited her to do some little research to hear her reaction. So it should be a fun episode. And um, I look forward to sharing it with you next week. Um, but until next time, next time, stay in touch and you can stay connected in my Find Your Food Voice book writing journey over at julieduffydillon.com slash book. And I look forward to checking in with you next week. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book fiend, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. 
I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.